still got questions, he's got answers Even though he may not understand, he'll talk anyway He got problems, he won't solve them But he'll talk and talk and talk until he's blue in the face Science, faith, and life Well, hello, my friends. It is me, Science Mike. I'm the host of this podcast. If you're new to the program, this is going to be an interesting episode to start out on. Um, As Science Mike is a a podcast where, in theory, I answer questions about science, faith, and life. Uh, Sometimes, though, I interview people. Last week, I introduced my wife, Jennifer McCarg. And uh, this week, I'm doing another interview uh, with my friend, Kevin O'Brien. Uh, Kevin's been a friend of mine for years, and he's got a film coming out today called At the End of the Day, and I hope as the interview unfolds, it will be clear to you why I'm doing an entire episode about a film uh, made by a friend of mine. But I I just want to tell you that this film is really something special, and, uh, and I wouldn't be taking the time out of your day for you to hear about it. If I didn't think that this was a film that you would be interested in, that you might find beautiful, and uh, that might change your life in some way. So we'll get to my interview with Kevin in just a second. But before we do, I want to let you know that uh, this week something special is going to happen uh, for patrons of Ask Science Mike and the Liturgist podcast. We are going to release uh, pre-sale tickets to our upcoming liturgist tour, which will be me and Michael Gunger on the road for a tour called Tabs and Wafers. Now, there's going to be more information coming in the future, and of course, those tickets will go on sale for the public as well. But this week, those tickets will be available for presale only for patrons of Ask Science Mike and the Liturgist podcast. So if you're a patron of this show, uh, really watch your email inbox. Or check the Patreon app because you're going to get a chance to uh, secure your spot at our upcoming tour before anybody else has that opportunity. And with that, uh, here is my conversation with my dear friend, Kevin O'Brien, about his film at the end of the day. Well, holy cow, it's Kevin frickin' (laughs) O'Brien. What's up, man? That's how... That's how I like to be introduced all the time. Thanks for following the notes. And, I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what I got in your contract writer for an yeah, appearance was pre- uh, make sure that. Kevin freaking O'Brien. Yeah. Dude, how are you? I am I am fantastic. I'm thrilled. Are you kidding me? This is like a pretty big thing. Um, yeah. I, I I guess I don't know like what to think. Like I, I'm, I'm crazy excited, but then I'm also like, uh, you know what I'm talking about. You've had I a know. thing. Come, you've had a thing. I know. This is a big day for you. Yes. Yeah. That's, um, yep. So why is, is today a big day for Kevin O'Brien? Uh, my, my, uh, first feature film is released on iTunes, Amazon, Google play, all those digital platforms. So like anyone can watch it now and tell me what they think. Uh, so that'll be, <laughs> that'll be, that'll be fun. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a thing that I've been working on in five years, this movie. Um, yeah almost exactly five years from the time I committed to like, I'm going to make a feature film uh, every day. I'm going to take a small step towards doing that. And yeah, it's, it's finally here and out in the world. And I'm, I'm crazy excited. 
it feels like, and I could be very wrong here. I mean, you know me, but yeah, I you're wrong. Feel like we've known each other in somewhat like that neighborhood of time, like a five year kind of thing. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. Uh, I actually, my first uh, email to you <laughs> was to ask you. Other than, I'm sure I emailed you before saying, uh, "Yeah, actually, my first my first communication to you was like a, a tweet to you after the first five episodes of Science Mike, and I was yelling at you, why are there only five episodes of Science Mike? I need more. Um, but that was back, you know, when you were actually like <laughs> answering questions and stuff in your podcast. And so uh, my son, my son would listen to the podcast with me, and he loved it. He was really into science and stuff. Um, so. Yeah, that was our first thing. And then our real communication, I think, started when I asked you if I could use one of the stories you told on the Liturgist podcast in the film, in the script. Um, and uh, you were like, yes, but just know that I'm going to use this story a lot, uh, too, so it's not like it's exclusive or anything. And then uh, funny stories, that's actually the first, that's the first scene that we cut. <laughs> 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 we are cutting the film, but I I hold that as <laughs> I hold that as like a a super like that's how we connected ultimately yeah. initially. Yeah, and that's then, amazing. Uh, yeah, and then I would I would make a couple of short films every so often that were really inspired by uh, stuff you and Michael would say on the liturgist, uh, some stuff about dualistic thinking and um, some short films on that, and uh, I think that's how you saw my work as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And then we really connected when your book was coming out and we did a book trailer for you. And um, yeah, we hung out that weekend and I think our kids became besties and we came, we became great friends. It was literally besties. Like yeah. my kids, when we left Florida, the thing they were most torn up about, I think was moving away from y'all, which is funny because Lakeland and Tallahassee <laughs> aren't very They're close. close. They're not close. <laughs> It's like it's like a like a like a solid day trip just to get down there. Um, yeah, but now I mean we've you've drastically <laughs> decreased the possibilities of that happening. I mean, the way moving, I feel about it now, the know. flight to Lakeland from L.A. it's comparable to driving from Tallahassee to Lakeland. I mean, it's about the same. Uh, that's actually except when you you know consider cost and. Yeah, like cost that. is always a consideration. Five, five, peop five people back and forth. My point whatever, is... Whatever. Time is not the problem. Is time is saying. not the problem, no. Um, yeah, those those trailers, man, by the way, I, I still use them for everything. <laughs> <laughs> people are like, we need video of you. I was like, well, I have this, this one set of video <laughs> of me that I like. They're like, oh, yeah, is there a speaking event? Uh, no, it's book trailers. It's me sitting in an empty room <laughs> talking to nobody. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was really hard to do those because, you know, I would just ask you questions and let you talk. So, um, <laughs> which was, I can do for a while. You can do for a while. Yeah. Uh, I think the editing was the, the toughest part. Oh, I was God. like, which of these 20, 20 videos do you want to use, Mike? <laughs> and I think the answer was we just used all of them. Just use we all just, of them. Yes. Just I give just me all kept of them. releasing videos. Yeah. Uh, so it's been amazing to watch what you can do with a creative project when not hampered by my involvement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, man, at the end of the day is a beautiful film. I 
Um, I was I was surprised, kind of how. <laughs> no, okay, that's fair. That's a fair response. My pause there. That was a bad pause. What I mean no, it's is, okay, it's okay. I was surprised, like how weepy I got uh, towards the end of the film. It's my favorite um, thing is making people cry. I love making people cry. Well, it's, it's, and that's not. Uh, I don't say that like cynically. Like I, I, uh, I think for for me, my like that. I say that a lot about my f- filmmaking, and I say that because I know that when I like I, I make most of the change in my life when I am in, emo- in an emotional state of. Um, you know, exposure and vulnerability. Mm. And I feel like that's what I want to do with my films is help people to, to rethink about things and examine things and change things in their life. So I, I think when you make people cry, you're, you're at least moving them in some way to, to rethink thing or, you know, uh, see something from a different perspective. So I'm glad I made you cry, but (laughs) (laughs) well, thanks for clarifying. It'll be helpful for everyone to understand why I cried uh, yeah. Would you mind telling Ask Science Mike listeners just like, like what is this film about? What you know? Let's start there. Okay. Uh, well, we surprised. Did you say the name? I don't even know if you said the name. Uh, I said at the end of the day. You did very say sneakily. at the end of the day. All right. So but let's yeah. say it one more Which, time. By the, the way, film is called at the end of the day, at just the the like day. this podcast episode. <laughs> That's helpful. I didn't find out till later, like much later in the process, that at the end of the day is ranked as like the number one most annoying phrase in the English language. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's a, of course. <laughs> a notch. That's an award we can win. Um, no, so it's a, it's a dramatic comedy and it, uh, like lives in the tension between the evangelical church and the LGBTQ community. Um, specifically kind of discussing and, and exploring the, uh, the LGBT youth who are facing religious rejection and mm. the out, outcomes of that um the actual story is about um a, a guy named dave a conservative christian professor who uh finds himself planted <laughs> in a gay support group to undermine their opening of an lgbt youth shelter in their small town uh and so it sounds <laughs> uh it sounds i feel like it sounds more problematic than it actually is <laughs> i was uh, <laughs> really like pleased with how you handled that um awesome because there's so many media narratives with the like undercover i'm not really gay thing that are super problematic yeah but in this film um and i I don't want to spoil anything but uh he never actually tries to intentionally make someone think he's gay he he basically gets like caught up in a conversation that went wrong and then just kind of stuck there yeah um, yeah he uh he allows that to go through it doesn't clarify yeah things um yeah and so um that that's what it's about it's a uh, hopefully i mean again i hope it hopefully it moves people uh but also moves them in laughter as well i mean it's class i classify it as a dramatic comedy which is I feel like the comedy is always the scarier and harder part. Uh, yeah, I guess I've always thought like maybe because I like laughing more that comedy would be easier. You are easy laugh, uh, which I appreciate. Easy laugh. <laughs> which I really, really appreciate. 
I have a lot of friends who are comedians, and I'm starting to think it's just because, like, laugh is a drug for them, and I'm just a good dealer. But I was. It is like, truly. All, if you want to feel good about yourself as a comedian, be friends with Mike. <laughs> exactly, because I think everything yeah. is hilarious, including this film. And I guess that's. I guess that's my point. The comedy I expected. Do you see what I mean? Like when I yeah, watched yeah. the trailer kind of how it was cut the 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 personality and the style that comes across i'm like okay fascinating to make a comma comedy about this this particular topic uh and then i watched the film i was like oh oh okay <laughs> well trailers are hard man trailers uh really actually suck putting together you know taking taking this taking this whole story that's an hour and 40 minutes and trying to you know the whole tension of i mean i hate watching trailers in general, if I'm at a movie theater and there's a movie I know I'm going to see, I, me and my son, Cademan, we put our ears and fingers in our ears and we like make noises and close our eyes so we, we can't hear or see anything. I'd hate giving anything away. But then when you're trying to sell something, <laughs> you have to make a trailer and you have to try to convey, you know, something about it to engage people, but then also leave, obviously not, not give everything away. And then with it, with a thing like this, with a story that uh, that anyone who sees it will probably have some sort of issue with it, um, you know, trying to do it in a way that that will entice people to see it instead of just say like, "Oh, I know what that is. I'm not even going to watch it." Uh, that's a tough thing. So let's let's stop there for a second and think. Um, you know, as you're cutting together a trailer and representing a story that's kind of at the intersection of conservative evangelicalism maybe even some fundamentalism and lgbtq youth uh one of the the first and i imagine most difficult choices that you faced as a filmmaker was creating a story in that setting where the protagonist is a straight man who, who i'm assuming based on the film's context begins the film uh as like an evangelical um yeah yeah. How, what was that process like and how did you, how did you end up with that decision? Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I definitely landed on, um, the, that tension first, you know, I, I definitely landed on the idea of, of exploring this conversation, church LGBT thing. And that's definitely out of my own faith shift over the years and, and learning myself. I grew up uh, much like you did, not Baptist. Uh, we were Pentecostal. We were Assemblies of God. So uh, we had more fun than you guys did. Um, I'm not even going to debate that. You absolutely <laughs> had more fun than we did. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I, I feel like the same under you know the same uh, spiritual trauma is there. Um, so so my and my wife Teresa's our journey like exploring that based on uh which started a lot with our relationship with our kids and as we thought about what uh what does this look like what would it look like in our family if one of our kids came out as anything other than cis heteronormative like what does that look like for us that's what really kept us going uh and and reexamining our our faith on uh, LGBTQ theology and th which I mean exploded into all of <laughs> all of God or whatever that is um, but so so I knew that that tension was something that could be talked about and hadn't been done quite in this 
style or this voice or this perspective or this way. You know, there's there's a lot of really good uh, and really powerful documentaries about it. There's a lot, especially uh, lately, a lot of very <clears throat> very emotional and intense um, and powerful dramas, <clears throat> narrative dramas about that. Um, but there wasn't anything quite like this. I felt like from from someone who's grown up in a straight guy who's grown up in an evangelical church and had a faith shift. So, yeah, so that's where, that's where I kind of landed. My first couple of tries at like a, a story about this were much more melodramatic and very serious. And I'm so glad those didn't really work out. Um, and I, you know, somewhere along the way, I realized that comedy and is a, is great, a great disarmor. And that would be a, a great way in to let people relax a little bit and then, uh, kind of, you know, hit people with some truth, I think, and I don't know, some heartbreak. Um, and so that's where we like, like, I was, you know, what's the, what's the worst kind of guy that would be, uh, end up in a gay support group. Um, part of that, part of that came from my wife and I joining a local P flag group, uh, here in Lakeland in Polk County in central Florida. Uh, and, um, just seeing the amazing community that was there that for us in many ways replaced our church um, as far as community and seeing the the love and relationships there. That's really what kind of inspired it. In other words, like Dave, the main character kind of experiencing this love that he's like heard about in church and in, uh, you know, Bible school and, and his counseling and all that heard about all of that his whole life. Uh, but he actually experiences it in a place that he did not expect to, that he was told, actually wasn't possible mm. uh, that's kind of the crux of it mm. I, that's kind of something i took from the film um is that there is definitely energy put into support and solidarity for the lgbt community but a big thrust of the film is this transformation narrative uh, that kind of helps a viewer especially a straight viewer uh, wrangle and wrestle with their understanding and their views um, on human sexuality and, and sin and theology. And that's something we tried to do in the Liturgist podcast with episode 20. Like the that show's primary um, construction and arc was for straight viewers to, yeah. or straight listeners in that case, to kind of re-examine what they think and why and as i watched the film i couldn't i couldn't help but like i had this like wish this almost dream i could just see kind of affirming christians and their parents or their their friends having dinner and then watching this film and then having some conversations um which is not to say that uh, I'm not I'm not saying this comes across or is um, like propaganda or marketing. <laughs> it is primarily a film, but I think that really great art, um, like art at its best, challenges something about our assumptions and something about the way we see the world. And, and you faced a really difficult needle to kind of thread here uh, to make <laughs> yeah. a film that like isn't blatantly offensive to, to, to queer people, but that oh, also absolutely. is accessible to unaffirming evangelicals. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is quite the, uh, quite the mandate in a piece of media. And I just thought you did 
a masterful job uh, working that tension and and inviting a skeptical viewer uh, into a viewing and into an experience. Um, I was I was really blown away. Man, thanks. Uh, that really that really means a lot. That's I mean that's definitely what I was going for. I f- I feel like we have yet to see how how skeptical of a person we can get to uh, be moved. But you know, I I don't know. Uh, so far, all the screenings have been at festivals or here locally in Lakeland, where I mean, in Lakeland, we're pretty conservative uh, town in a conservative county. Um, but at our at our screening here, we had seven hundred people show up that that one night only screening, which was wow. amazing. Um, so there's been incredible support of it. Uh, but yeah, so far, anyone that's gone to it has kind of known what it is and are going to it publicly in a, sc- in a public screening. So I, it'll be interesting to see what happens when it is on, you know, now that it's on iTunes, now it's in the world and people can s- see it from their own homes, what kind of people will see it and what kind of pushback we'll get from it on, on either way. I mean, I, I don't know if we've said this specifically, but I am a straight white cisgender dude. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I know that this is, I was definitely taking, taking a risk. And f- for a long time, I was like, I'm not the person to do this because what, you know, we've seen enough stories from straight white cisgender dudes and uh you know this this is not the time for for me to make this movie but then there there was this drive there was several times where i tried to put it away and try something else but it, it just kept pulling me back uh and i think i think the reason that it works is that uh while the lead character the protagonist is a is a straight white dude um christian guy like that like he's not the hero of the movie in a way and uh, it yeah. really does center. I worked really hard to center the stories of the LGBTQ community uh, and uh, make those the powerful things in the in the movie. And I th- I think that's what what kind of works. Th- those are like the the strongest moments. I think. Uh, and there's no question how often the protagonist gets out of the way. <laughs> the story. Yeah. And some of the most powerful moments in the film for me. Um, and I didn't know this going into it. It's not until I watched the credits. But there was these stories that seemed like so real. I'm like, either these are the single greatest actors <laughs> in the history of film, <clears throat> or there's some truth behind these accounts. And then I, I watched the credits with tissues. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I saw you know, this, this mention of the Zebra Coalition. Could you tell us a little bit about who they are and, and how they came to be a part of the film. Yeah, well, I I discovered them I think through uh, through P Flag um, when I was talking to them about the story. For, I mean that that's a whole situation of itself. Join, <laughs> I joined my local P Flag group and I told them from the beginning uh, I'm I'm doing this movie and I'd like to come just like listen to your stories and so I got appropriately grilled on who I was and what I believed and why, why I was doing that. Um, but they, but, but they told me about Zebra Coalition, which is an, a, uh, LGBTQ youth resource center in Orlando. It started out as a homeless shelter for LGBTQ youth. Um, and now it's, it's much bigger than that. 
Um, but from the, from the time that I found out about them and I visited them and talked with their executive director and what they were doing, I knew that that had to be, that was kind of for a lead character. That was kind of the moment for him where, where he realizes the end results of, of what he's been saying and teaching and counseling. Um, so yeah, so they, uh, graciously, allowed us to come film there. There's a, a scene or two that happens at the Zebra Coalition in Orlando. It's the only day that we weren't filming in Lakeland. But then four of their youth that uh, that are served by Zebra Coalition uh, were gracious enough to just sit there and tell us their stories. So um, that that segment of the movie is pretty much is a documentary. You know, that's that's not written lines in the script. I had a few I had a section written out to just kind of fill in the space. And so we as a crew and cast could kind of feel what was going on there, but we honestly had no idea what they were going to say. We had no idea what their actual stories were. Mm. And we set everything up and I sit down behind the camera and it's just me and me and each person by themselves. Everyone else was like around the corner to, to, you know, give them as much privacy as possible. Um, and they started talking and I'm, I mean, just bawling the entire time, uh, listening, listening to them specifically. One of them, uh, starts, she started by saying, I don't, I don't think my story is like, I don't think I have anything good to say. I don't think it's going to be, you know, you're going to be able to use anything that I'm saying. And I'm like, well, just, you know, just start with, with who you are and kind of tell me a little bit about your life. And she starts with saying I'm intersex and I grew up uh, as a Christian hearing, uh, that God made man and woman, listen to sermons about God making man and woman when I'm not strictly either. I mean, holy crap. Like that was the first thing of the first interview that we did. Mm -hmm. And it was just nonstop, um, stories about, um, how the center that where they were was definitely became a home. Um, but I was the most, interesting thing to me was how every single one of their families was a, they were they had you know they de experienced religious rejection it wasn't that they just rejected or that they you know ran off on their own but it was strictly about how the religious influence of their family's community rejected them and that's why they needed zebra coalition um yeah i i'm forever grateful for those moments and almost everyone that sees it says that 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 is like a, a the crucial point for them and that's what i wanted to do for the lead character too it doesn't surprise me that such a beautiful moment from the film came out of your very genuine and sincere interaction with the lgbtq community like you were careful from the outset uh to be kind of mindful of who you were and what it meant as a straight person to try to approach this topic. I wonder if you'd be willing to tell us a little bit about the conversations you've had with people in the LGBTQ community, both like during the production or even post-production. I know you've been to some film festivals. Uh, I'm curious about what the reception has been like uh, about at the end of the day. Well, the, the biggest fear for me uh, in doing this was that those characters would feel authentic. You know, I mean, I, uh, I was, I was terrified of that. So, uh, while I was writing, it, it took me about six months to outline the story and, um, 
a couple of weeks to write after I had it fully out- outlined, the first draft at least. So, um, yeah, in that in that time, I had more, I had more coffees, I had more lunches, I had more, um, you know, read more books. I'm not a reader or a studier, but I read every single thing I could get my hands on. Um, and I, uh, my my wife calls it the coffee and listening tour. Like that, that's what I did. I would take uh, my LGBTQ friends to coffee and just ask them about their story and listen. I would ask them things like how. Uh, like, how do you know when someone sincerely wants to listen to your story? You know, like, how do you know when, what people are worth giving the time to and what people you know are just, uh, are not going to, to listen to you? Um, several of them were friends from the school that I went to that got, that did get kicked out because of their sexuality. Um, and, this uh this beautiful couple they've been together for 20 plus years they met at at that college at southeastern university and they got kicked out it was in 98 it was just the year that i went there they got kicked out at the end of that first year uh lost all their money and credits and all that stuff and they've been together in this amazing the, the most amazing beautiful people uh ever so they, like they're these all the, you know the, all of these things came from real true stories and i don't i don't know i felt like i tried to just be as authentic as i could with them um even even more uh you know some some stories that involved life and death um went to uh it was a um uh, locally a father who lost his son uh to a hate crime and um that I'd, i'd met through our p flag groups and asked him if I could use his son as the inspiration for a part of the movie. He was the very first person I gave the script to afterwards uh, and was terrified, you know, just terrified of what he would say. Um, but he, he loved it and gave us uh, his, his approval, even, even to the fact of letting us, he gave for production, he gave us a, uh, a, a big picture framed picture of his son that we put in the very last shot of the movie as a, as an honor to him, um, which I found out later, his wife did not know that until she's watching the movie at the premiere, uh, in Lakeland. Yeah. And so thankfully (laughs) that, I mean, that's a big, big thing. (laughs) Thankfully she, she was so moved and she loved it and she felt, you know, she felt like it was, she, she understood the honoring that we were trying to do. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was that nonstop listening, um, making changes to the script and the screenplay as I was going along, you know, and then trying to find a line where, because the lead character is not aware of the world, you know, of language to use and what vocabulary and he has, he has other friends. So, um, you know, and, and there's, there are other characters who are not aware of what's right to say and what's not wrong to say, you know, trying to find a balance of, of those things so that it feels real from that perspective, but that it's also not, um, too, too much for, for someone to, you know, be moved by in a positive way. So yeah, that was, I, there, I don't, there's certainly no, I don't think there's no any specific, like, this is the way you do it (laughs) other than listening and going with, going with your heart and, you know, make listening to people's response to it. Um, so that was all before that was during the writing. Um, and then, uh, you know, after at the, at film festivals, um, uh, 
our our biggest responses were to were at the two LGBT festivals that we went to. Um, one that was in Atlanta, the Out on Film Festival in Atlanta, where we were the first runner-up for the Audience Choice Award, and then in Tampa, the Tampa Bay International Gay and Lesbian Film Festival, we won the Audience Choice Award, uh, which to me is like the most that's <laughs> the most important award I could that this movie could have won to say that we we connected with that audience, let them hear feel heard and understood and respected. Um, and something that they want to tell other people about. I mean, that's, that's everything, you know? Gosh, how does that feel, Kevin? Oh, man, no one's asked me that yet. <laughs> I'm all about feelings. <laughs> well, I am too, but I want other people <laughs> to do that. Um, Oh, I think there's a big part of me that's still scared that like, I, I mean, every time I, every time I send the movie to somebody or send a screener out or whatever, there's a huge part of me that's terrified that, that this one person is the one that's going to shut it all down, you know, like shut this, uh, that, that everyone else has just been really nice to me, uh, and has not been telling me this one gaping hole. Um, but that that feeling of when you're at a film festival and there's a Q and a afterwards and, um, queer students from the school you attended tell you, thank you for telling my story. <laughs> um, mm. that I, d I don't know what the word is for that feeling. Um, but I mean, that, that is it for me, you know, like that's, yes, of course, I, I would love to make the moon. <laughs> I would love to make the money back that the movie cost for sure. Um, but that reaction breaks me and like makes me feel whole at the same time. I, I don't know how else other to explain it or when, yeah, another, another Lakeland screening, um, a friend, brought their um uh retired military and uh baptist friends this older couple to the screening not knowing how they would respond but she just wanted them to see it and they uh left like enjoying it and not really saying anything about it but they they enjoyed the movie um and then six days later their daughter came out to them and uh they still didn't it's not like the movie helped them understand everything and be like you know internally 100 percent good um but what the movie did was allowed them to respond with hugs and love and we love you no matter what um and still you know still inside of course screaming and not knowing what to do with that um but that first response, which is what what kids need to hear from their parents, is we love you, and this is changes nothing about you, how we feel about you. I mean, that's that is it. You know, that's it. That's why that's why I did it. Mm. <clears throat> Where can people learn more about the film online? Uh, the website is endofthedayfilm.com. 
Um, and all social media stuff is, is also the same end of the day film. Um, it's on iTunes, Amazon, Google play. Uh, and in a week or two, we will have Blu-rays and DVDs available on Amazon to purchase. But right now it's all digital. Um, but yeah, everything's at end of the day film.com. Kevin, thank you for making this film. And even as, um, as a straight man, a uh, cisgendered man. Uh, I've seen the amount of your life that you've poured into this project, and I know the kind of soil in your heart that it grew out of, and I hope a lot more people see this film. Um, because sometimes, to me, it feels, in many ways, as a country, and especially as a faith, Christianity, we're moving backwards on on seeing the profound beauty and dignity and humanity of LGBTQ people. And uh, I was just so touched. I was so touched to see a film not only help people think through their understanding of sexuality, but also to see people as they are. It's a beautiful film, Kevin. I hope you're incredibly proud of it. And I hope people are still watching and talking about it 20 years from now. Oh, man. That would be amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thank you.